0: I invite you to open your Bible or one of the Pew Bibles to the Gospel according to Luke. The reading will begin in chapter 23 at verse 50. Before we read God's Word, let us receive the instruction from the Heidelberg Catechism, one of the historic catechisms of our Reformed Christian faith. Question and answer number 45. Responsively, what benefit do we receive from the resurrection of Christ? First, by his resurrection, he has overcome death that he might make us share in the righteousness which he has obtained for us through his death. Second, we too are now raised by his power to a new life. Third, the resurrection of Christ is a sure pledge to us of our blessed resurrection. Let us pray. Almighty, glorious Father, we pray in Jesus' name that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will illumine our minds, enlighten the eyes of our hearts, grant to us the grace of faith that we may truly receive and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ that we may, by your mercies, respond in joyful and grateful obedience to live as his faithful disciples all the days of our lives. To the glory of your name, O Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of God. It is written. Now, there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea, He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man, who had not consented to their decision and action, and he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning." The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath they rested according to the commandment. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee An idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. And now unto him who loves us, who has freed us from our sins by his blood, to Jesus Christ be all praise, honor, and glory forever and ever. Amen. I began the reading this morning with the account of the burial of Jesus because that is a very, very important part of what happened. We say in the creed, crucified, dead, and buried. His death was real. As real as any man's death, as real as your death will be. Whatever death is, Jesus has entered into it. And has experienced. He has been there. He has done it. And he has undone it. And those who follow Christ in faith. May follow him. To the grave. He's been there. First of all. To sanctify it for us. So that those who follow Christ in faith. May have no fear of the grave. But know that our Lord Jesus has been there ahead of us. His body lay in the tomb to assure us that the grave is but a resting place for our body until the day of resurrection. Believers in Christ, in union with him, have the assurance that in fact, Jesus' death is the death of death. Jesus died to die your death. And that is the reason that Jesus could say, whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Because if you are in Christ through faith, your death in him has already taken place. It's over. It's done with. He's done it and done away with it. But as a matter of historical point, the details are important. Jesus' death was officially approved By Pontius Pilate. Joseph of Arimathea was a prominent Jewish man in Jerusalem who had the wherewithal to go personally to Pontius Pilate and to request the body of Jesus. And Pilate granted his request. That's a little historical detail and it's important. Why? It's important because it proves that Pontius Pilate knew where Jesus was buried and that the Jewish leadership knew where Jesus was buried. It was no secret. Everybody knew that Jesus of Nazareth, that would-be Messiah, who had been crucified, whose death had been confirmed by the Roman soldiers, was buried in the unused tomb owned by Joseph of Arimathea. There was no confusion about where Jesus was buried. But when the women got there on the first day of the week, Sunday, which, by the way, is the reason that we worship on the Lord's Day, Sunday, the first day of the week, and every Sunday is Easter Sunday. When they got there on the first day of the week, Jesus' body was not in the tomb. The large stone had been rolled away. When they went in, they did not find the body of Jesus. While they were wondering what had happened to men, Says Luke, in dazzling apparel, stood by them. Now, this is Luke's very understated description of angels. Angels are messengers of God. And the emphasis here, please note, is, is not on the angels in some kind of super sensationalistic way. The emphasis is not on the angels, the emphasis is on the message they brought. Just as the angels brought, The message of Jesus' birth unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior to the lowly shepherds. So the angels proclaim the gospel of Jesus' resurrection to the lowly women. They do so first by way of a wonderful question. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Now, how would you answer that question? It's a great question. It's a logical question. It's a rational question, but it's a question that boggles the mind. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. Then the women remembered. And everything had happened just as Jesus had said it would. Even this, Jesus' body was not in the tomb because he had risen from the dead just as he had told them that he would. But when the women went and told this to the 11 remaining apostles, the men didn't believe them. These words, says Luke, these words seemed to them an idle tale. Now, this verse, another little detail about the men not believing the women, this is evidence of the authenticity of the account. <laughs> it is. This is a fingerprint. This is a fingerprint of authenticity. You think about it. This gospel was written to spread the message which the apostles were preaching. And it shames the apostles for their unbelief. It shows that the women were right. The women were right. The women were right, and they should have listened to the women. Should have believed them in the first place. That's an embarrassing detail. That's an embarrassing detail. Which Luke lays out there for all the world to see. And that's not something that a first century man would make up and put into his historical account if it were not true. You don't make that up. But it was true. And it is an important point because it shows us that the apostles themselves had to be convinced that Jesus had been raised from the dead. They did not accept hearsay from the women. They were not caught up in some kind of group, cult, hysterical delusion. They were not gullible. And they were not fabricating a story to start some kind of strange new religion or to revive their failed political revolution. Oh, no. For the apostles, Jesus' death was the end of Jesus and the end of all their hopes, and the women's words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. Fingerprint, historical Authenticity. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Peter went to see for himself. He went to examine the evidence, and what did he see? Luke gives us another little detail with big significance. Peter saw the linen cloths by themselves, the burial cloths, but no body. that meant that the body had not been stolen. Grave robbers. Someone who might have stolen the body for the purposes of promoting a hoax would not have taken the body without the cloths. So Luke tells us that Peter went home marveling at what had happened. The reason I point out these little details of the account of Jesus' resurrection is that I want you all to understand that the Christian faith, what we celebrate today, what we celebrate every Sunday, is rooted in historical reality. The bodily resurrection of Jesus from the dead is an historical reality which has never been and never will be and cannot be rationally explained away, though many have tried. This is not mythology. This is not fantasy. This is not fiction. This is not symbolic metaphor. By all academic standards, The New Testament is a reliable, historic testimony concerning the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And let's be clear, Easter is not about some vague, feely, wheelie idea of maybe there's some kind of life after death. Uh-uh. No. No. Easter is all about and only about Jesus Christ crucified, dead, buried, and risen. That's what the New Testament is all about. Jesus Christ who was crucified is risen from the dead. And if Jesus had not been raised from the dead, not one page, not one word of the New Testament would ever have been written. Because a dead Messiah is good for nothing. The New Testament was written to proclaim the gospel of Christ crucified and risen. And to call us all to repent of our sins and to turn in faith to Jesus Christ crucified and risen for the forgiveness of our sins and to teach us how to live as obedient, joyful, grateful disciples of the crucified and risen Lord Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit so that Jesus Christ crucified and risen might be extolled, worshipped and obeyed As King of Kings, Lord of Lords, by people of every tribe and tongue and nation, to the glory of God the Father. It is all about Him. In the opening verses of his letter to the Romans, the Apostle Paul wrote that Jesus Christ, quote, was declared to be the Son of God in power, according to the Spirit of Holiness. By his resurrection from the dead. Romans 1.4 That means that the resurrection of Jesus vindicates and validates him as the son of God. The resurrection of Jesus is God's public declaration that Jesus is his son. The resurrection of Jesus is God's proof that Jesus is his son. The world despised him, rejected him, and crucified him. And it was not only the natural human powers of this world which were aligned against him, but also the supernatural powers of darkness, the devil and all his minions, the curse of sin, the power of death. Every hateful thing in this world, visible and invisible, piled itself upon Jesus in order to destroy him utterly and do away with him forever, crucified, dead, and Buried. but on the third day he rose again from the dead that means that all the powers of death and destruction all the demonic powers of spiritual evil had no ultimate power over him they could not hold him he was and is more powerful than all the evil in the world he was and is more powerful than ...than death itself. When the Apostle John had his vision of heaven, his vision of Jesus Christ... ...and saw Jesus Christ revealed in his heavenly glory... ...John heard him say, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death... And Hades. Do you know anyone who has the keys of death and hell who can unlock it and let you out? The resurrection of Jesus Christ vindicates and validates who He is. And that is the reason that the Apostle Peter proclaimed, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The resurrection of Jesus not only vindicates who He is, but also validates what He has done for us. The Scripture says, Romans 4.25, He, Jesus, was delivered up, crucified for our trespasses and raised for our justification. That means the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead proves that He actually and effectively, if you will, successfully atoned for the sins of His people. If His sacrifice had not been effective, if his sacrifice had not been accepted by God, then he would have died under the power of sin. And he would have remained under the power of sin, under the curse of death. And a dead Savior is no Savior at all. But having atoned effectively for sins by his death, having cleansed our sins by His blood shed on the cross, sin having been removed, His sacrifice having been accepted accepted as payment in full by God, divine justice having been satisfied, divine wrath having been appeased, the penalty having been paid, Sin no longer had any hold on him or power over him. And so he was raised from the dead, vindicated and validated as the savior of sinners. But he was raised not only for himself, but for us who are united to him in faith. For his resurrection guarantees our justification our standing in His righteousness before the throne of God. And therefore, the Apostle Peter declared that everyone who believes in Him receives the forgiveness of sins through His name. Therefore, you can be sure. You can be sure that when you sincerely repent of your sins and turn from them, When you sincerely seek forgiveness through Jesus Christ, you will be forgiven. Because the full penalty for your sins has been paid by Christ in his death on the cross. And Christ's resurrection from the dead is the proof and guarantee and public declaration that God has accepted his payment on your behalf. And so the scripture says, Romans 5, 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus eternally secures our reconciliation with God and our justification, our right standing before God because Christ in his resurrected righteousness is our righteousness. We stand in Him. Think of all the precious promises that rest upon, depend upon, and flow from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, on an Easter Sunday, a pastor might be tempted to preach every passage in the New Testament, but we don't have time for that. A few, though, a few. The sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Romans eight eighteen. That's not an empty platitude. That is a revealed truth rooted in the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Those who share in Christ's sufferings in this world, those who... Deny themselves, take up their cross, die daily, and follow Christ. Those who share in Christ's sufferings in this world will share in His glory in the world to come. That's guaranteed by His resurrection from the dead. And if, since, if, since, that eternal glory is our destiny since believers in Christ have been predestined for that glory. Then we can be sure Romans 8:28 For those who love God all things work together for good. Now, please understand that, that favorite memory verse is rooted in the reality of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. It's based on his resurrection. <laughs> it's not a little coffee mug motto that means that, you know, everything tends to work out for the best in this world. That's not what it means. That's not at all what it means. It means that all things, all things are under the sovereign power of Him who raised Jesus from the dead. And therefore, those who love God through faith in Jesus Christ can be sure, sure, that the same Sovereign power which raised Jesus from the dead is working all things together to bring Christ's redeemed people into the fullness and perfection and glory of their eternal salvation. And so the Apostle Paul could conclude that great 8th chapter of Romans... By saying and speaking for all Christian believers, and if you are in Christ by faith, you can say this I am sure that neither death nor life, nor things present, nor things to come, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. How do we know that that is true? How do we know that nothing, nothing, not even a terrible tyrant, not even a demonic power, not even death itself can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We know that that is true because Jesus Christ, by His resurrection from the dead, has already conquered anything and everything that would separate us From the love of God. And it is this truth rooted in the reality of Jesus' resurrection. Which by the power of the Holy Spirit. Raises us up out of spiritual death. To live a new life even now. As the citizens of heaven. Think of, think of the things that Jesus himself said. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No religious leader in the world, no religious figure in the world, Has ever said anything like that. And no religious figure in the history of the world has ever been resurrected except Jesus Christ. His resurrection validates his word. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. His resurrection proves every promise true. You can trust him. You can trust Him with your life. You can trust Him with your death. You can trust Him with your eternal destiny. Are you trusting Him with it all? Because ultimately, it all will be laid before Him. The scripture says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And that verse, too, is based upon Jesus' resurrection from the dead. The scripture, Acts seventeen thirty one says that God, quote, has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. There it is. The resurrection of Jesus Christ reveals him to be the righteous judge of the living and the dead. He is the man who stands on the right side of history. And all of history is hurtling toward him and his judgment throne. How wonderful. To stand before the judge who is your Savior. How wonderful to stand before the judge who, in your stead, suffered the judgment of God. How terrible to stand before the judge whose mercy. You have rejected. He will cast the wicked who would not receive his mercy, who would not receive his grace, into everlasting destruction, away in the everlasting fire, away from the presence of the Lord but for all those who love Him and have longed for His appearing, He will come to make His blessings flow far as the curse is found. He will bring His new creation in all its fullness, beauty, and perfection. He will come to raise our lowly bodies and transform them to be like His glorious body and win by His sovereign power this perishable Puts on the imperishable. This mortal. Puts on immortality. Then shall come to pass the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh death where is your victory? Oh death where is your sting? And God will wipe away every tear and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be any mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. The old is gone. The new has come. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and to an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the glorious gospel of your Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray that by the grace of your spirit, the truth of the gospel would lay hold of our hearts and more deeply convert us, more thoroughly sanctify us, and more fully fill us with the joy and the power of the resurrection. That we might live as those who have been raised from death to newness of life, to follow Jesus Christ all the days of our life and everlastingly. To the glory of your name, amen. In response to the gospel of Jesus Christ, let us stand to affirm our faith, the faith of the one true church of Jesus Christ throughout history and throughout the world as we say together the Apostles' Creed.